This is episode number 215, How Do You Appreciate Life, with Joe Bogdan. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. This is a two-weekend experience where we'll be exploring the concepts of different ways to develop resilience with gratitude, grieving with gratitude, and ultimately exploring the whole mindset behind what it means to be grateful and what life looks like without this larger concept of being grateful. If you would like to more details about these upcoming experiences, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the full agenda as well as all of the speakers and facilitators who will be taking part of this particular experience. The second announcement that I would like to make is this. If you enjoyed any of the previous episodes or if this is your first time tuning in and you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. There he is. What's Joe, going how on, Oleg? How you, I'm doing well, brother. How you doing, man? You hanging in there? I'm surviving. I'm surviving <laughs> as, as we speak. But, you know, I think that's one of the beauties and challenges of life is that sometimes you get these unexpected challenges. And mm. I think it's my responsibility to make the best out of them. Um, because I don't think they necessarily stop. I think this whole concept of adversity, it, mm. it's always going to be there like it always has. So I'm choosing to take it day by day and see what I can learn from each one of the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, that's the best way to look at it. Right. And I think um, that's something that I try to do every day as well. Cause mm-hmm. like you said, man, life is not going to stop throwing adversity at you. If, if you're just waiting for that life of comfort, it's probably not coming. And um, you have a choice to just let it keep punching you and uh, you know, sitting in the, sitting in the corner with a wet diaper because everything's falling apart around you, or you can choose to look for the the good in things. And, um, and, and also, you know, look at it as an opportunity to, to mold yourself and prepare yourself for something else that might com- be coming down the line. Mm-hmm. That you don't even know what it might be. You don't even know mm-hmm. what you're preparing for, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause there's always going to be that concept of what's next. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the things that one of my friends actually helped me see is that question of what's next. Like it's, it's always going to be a thing you're going through this, but what's next. And then you get through that. And then what's after that. So I think this whole concept even in regard to coronavirus and everything else that has happened, <laughs> who's to say that coronavirus 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0 can't happen? Right. You know, there's just so much that's unknown and so much that gets put into um, perspective. And I think what you just described, choosing to learn from it and almost choosing to take this as a responsibility on an individual right. level and, and think of it in terms of, hey, it, it, it could happen at any given moment. I never know what's going to happen, so I might as well develop a framework or a foundation for how I can de- develop that deeper appreciation for life and use it as a almost like a learning mechanism, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love what you said, framework, developing that framework, because, you know, frameworks aren't meant to be a, um, a blueprint to be able to deal with every situation, step one, two, three, four, five, but they are something that you can deviate from right so a plan that you can lay out and um and it really comes to intentionality you gotta you gotta look at, th- at those things and um develop those frameworks whether it's ethical frameworks decision frameworks or adversity frameworks right like when things happen how are you gonna how are you gonna be able to catch yourself and, and ask the right questions to yourself to be able to get through to the next level absolutely mm-hmm. Before we move on to some of the other topics, I wanted to say hello and welcome to Dr. Dr. Laura Cub. Here she joined us, and then Melody 
from Massachusetts, the two right now who are who joined us. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been curious about when it comes to just this whole concept of appreciation for life is I'm curious to hear from you, when did you start to appreciate life? Like, is there a moment that comes to your mind that just made you more grateful for even having the ability to be alive to begin with? Yeah, you know, if I if I had to look back and really think about it, I think the moment um, I'm a service member, I've been in the Air Force, I just hit my 20 year of service mark a couple weeks ago. And um, I think somewhere in the middle of my career, when I got an opportunity to work in a social service center on base, which we have those on the installations. And it's basically a career broadening opportunity. And when I did that, I think I kind of found, sounds kind of corny, but my meaning and purpose in life, right? And I think, you know, and that was just helping others, teaching others to be the best version of themselves. And until then, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of looking at the world through a child's eyes. And I've been thinking about this more and more about like, when did I start looking at the world through a grown man's eyes? And I honestly don't think it was that long ago. I'll be honest with you, you know, I'd like to think it was, but it probably wasn't, you know, it definitely wasn't when I was 18. It definitely wasn't when I was in my late 20s. It happened somewhere in my 30s. And I think I realized that, hey, you know, uh, looking at things, appreciating them, appreciating the beauty in things when they don't go right, you know, because that's kind of life, right? Whenever If everything went right every time, I think that it'd kind of get boring. And I started looking at things like that. And it really, um, it really made, found, I found contentment in that. Mm-hmm. And I found happiness in it. And it's not just a fleeting happiness, but just kind of an overall, hey, this is, this is where we're at. And that appreciation, like you mentioned. Do you think adversity is a necessary component to life? I 100% believe so. I think it's not only a necessary component. Um, well, you know what? Let me, let me start that over. I think it's a necessary component for you to be effective at life, right? And But it really comes down to how you respond to that adversity. If you uh, continuously run away from it or hide in a corner from it, um, it's probably not going to do you a lot of value. But I think mm-hmm. um, you got to go through it and you got to learn from it. Right. And I think that has a lot to do with choice. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I was early on in my career, um, I think what happened was when I was young, um, I grew up a latchkey child and um, grew up in a very traditional Asian household. And I think when I was growing up and I was bringing home 97s and my mom was asking me where the other 3% was, you know, like just kind of, <laughs> just kind of growing up in that environment, you know, and it's good, you know, I, you think it's good, but I think um, it, it kind of led me to the point where I didn't ever want to bring home a B or a C my goodness. I don't know what would happen then. Right. So um, I, I it kind of limited me because I didn't want to get step outside my comfort zone. And that, came into my career and and I hid from adversity. I only took challenges that I knew that I was going to be able to conquer very easily, you know, and I limited myself quite a bit until I began stretching myself and like I said in my career broadening opportunity doing things that I had no idea if I was going to be good at. I don't think I um I really got to live life. Mhm. I can't say I've experienced the same exact thing when it comes to schooling that you just described. <laughs> Coming home and my parents saying, where are the other 3%? 97 would have been good and just, just perfect. You know, it's close enough to 100. But I do agree with you. I think that the childhood experiences especially play such a large role on shaping and molding some of us, maybe not all, into the individuals that we are today. Because the more that I think about my own experience, due to my own parents' ability to be open-minded and respectful of other people, I realized that I, I, it was from them that I started to develop this whole concept of appreciation for the struggle, appreciation just for life in general, because they set the foundation. You know, like they almost like set the tone for you, and then you operated in that tone for so long that when you quote unquote did grow up, it was just the norm. Like there was no reason to even question that foundation because you know that it worked previously. Therefore it will probably work again. Now I think there's certain things that I choose to modify moving forward or expand upon. Like one of the things I started to do within the, I think I've been doing this for over two years now. A friend of mine introduced me to this book called 365 thank yous. 
Mm. And it's essentially, it's the story by, uh, his name is John Kralik, where he discusses his own personal experience, you know, going through depression and all these other things. And so what he started to do was instead of being stuck into the circumstances, he started to write thank you cards. Mm. One thank you card. I mean, to a person at a grocery store, their neighbors. <laughs> and so I picked up the same habit. And every mm. single day, I write a thank you card uh, to at least one person. And I don't think I've hit a point yet where I'm having to repeat names. Wow. I mean, I'm writing thank you cards, true story, to people who pack my groceries. Wow. Um, I'll draw it back there and drop it off because you just never know how that can impact someone else. And I think just there's also, I think, a hidden component to the appreciation where I've realized that the more intentional I became in appreciating life and everything that it gives me, it truly does give you a tenfold back. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know how to describe that in, in words. Like I, I know you understand it, you know, cause you yeah. live it, but like there's something truly magical that happens where you're able to like give back without the expectation of receiving something. And then instantly you get that thing that you were looking for. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and like you said, it's really hard to describe that, but I know exactly what you're talking about. When, when you when you make somebody else happy by giving and then you feel something right coming back to you, maybe it's just a smile on their face or whatever it is. But I think it's it kind of lanes back to the purpose of why we're all here and we exist together. You know, we're not here for just ourselves. We're here to help others. And I think it kind of taps into some deep deep meaning or need that we all have to to get some affirmation that we're here for a reason that we're helping other people in some some way shape or form i think there's something to that mm -hmm. and that's where i think the adversity component as well as what you and i were talking about it i think to me in my opinion it probably is somewhat of a necessary component mm -hmm. <laughs> because it provides contrast mm -hmm. you know without the adversity if i was always living in quote-unquote happiness and joy I wouldn't know the other end. And I think if I was only living in one, it would be harder for me to develop appreciation if I couldn't see the exact opposite of that. Yeah, you don't, you like, you take stuff, it's easier for you to take stuff for granted if you don't understand how tough things can be. Like you guys are dealing with it right now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in, yeah. in Texas. I mean, how many things, you know, I work in the engineer background and I see it all the time. People just take for granted that they turn on their electricity, they turn on their switch or they put their blow dryer on and power just comes through. And that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. That's normal. Like you take those <laughs> things for granted until it doesn't come on. Yeah. <laughs> and when it doesn't come on, you're like, oh, wait. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think um, and I think not taking things for granted, appreciating them, it does bring that beauty in life because you start looking at everything a little bit differently when you start honing that gratitude for the things that you have you start noticing like hey i actually had the opportunity to get up and go for a run today there's some people who don't have that ability i mean they're they're bed stricken you know whatever it might be they have issues or they're in um you know 24 feet of snow or whatever it might be right they're in situations where they just don't have that ability but there's so many other things that we do every day that we just absolutely take for granted and i still do right now you know mm -hmm. I have to, it's a deliberate intentional effort to look at what am i taking for granted and how do you reverse that like what do you personally do when you recognize that okay i took this situation for granted or i'm taking this person for granted like what mm -hmm. what action do you put yourself in to reverse that pattern you know so definitely if it's something right um i i, I actually take the time to reflect on that you know, I, I look back at it. Can I, I catch myself more now than I did when I was looking through the world through my child's eyes? You know, now as an adult, I kind of look back as like, what did I, you know, what did I just take for granted there? Um, and a lot of it, you know, one thing that I, I've, I very much have taken for granted, and I think COVID and a lot of other things have helped me uh, just really understand it is I've taken time for granted. I've taken time for granted, you know, I just think, oh, we'll, we'll get to that later. It'll happen eventually. You know, I'll get to that whenever. And it's like, you really look at it and the time, the clock's ticking, you know? Um, and there's a lot of opportunities that we overlook, just assuming that time's going to be there. And it was connected to people and it, tie it directly to what you said about, you know, if you're taking people for granted, how many people are you just thinking are always going to be there? Yeah. 
you know, how many people are just going to be there. You, you can visit them later. Um, I remember I listened to a podcast one time and um, Jesse Itzler was talking about how, mm-hmm. you know, um, his, his, his parents, he was just like, Oh yeah, you know, his parents are getting older, but he probably has like anywhere an average between five to 10 years left with him. But he was like, no, I really don't. I only see him twice a year. So he was mm-hmm. like, if they're, if they're around for another five years, he hopes more, but if they're only around for five years, he has 10 more visits with his parents. Yeah. And when you look at it like that, it's a little bit different, you know? So um, I, really, I just try to change my view on it and reflect on it and look at it that way. If it's something that's very tactical, like it just happened, like I took someone for granted, um, I canceled on them or, or, you know, maybe they told me something that was really important to them and I kind of blew it off because I was busy doing something else. I try to catch myself in those moments. And another thing that I like to do is when I, I do gratitude journaling every day, um, during that time, I kind of look back and think, like, what did I do that I could have done a little bit better today when it comes to building relationships or everything else? I'm the same way when it comes to my parents. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, now that I think about it, I probably do only see them twice a year, mm-hmm. maybe once a year sometimes. But I think about it as far as the concept of the year. I don't right. think about as far as the number of times. Mm-hmm. So I think about it as far as, oh, I have, you know, 10 or 20 more years to see them. But the reality of the matter, that's only 20 to 40 times. Right. And that right. is, it's kind of crazy to actually think about that. Because mm-hmm. then that number is very, very small compared to 20 year mark. Yeah. Yeah, and if you look at it like 20 visits now, how are you going to make sure you maximize those visits? You know, are you going to be on your phone during those one of 20 visits that you come visit? Or are you going to be, you know, being very present with the people that you love? You know, it, it makes you behave differently, you know, mm-hmm. but it takes some intentionality there. Absolutely. And it, you're right. It change, It does change the course. I know for me, one of the things I started to do with, especially with my parents, is I try to engage in whatever form of activity So like, for example, my dad and I, we love to do projects. Mm. So we'll either do projects in the house or we'll work on the outside, you know, move the grass or shovel the snow or whatever it is. And for me, (laughs) like that is my form of bonding with him. Mm. And I've also realized that in those activities, the things that he's teaching me, money can't buy. You know, like work ethic. Like he's one of the people that really helped me enhance that even more after I came to the States. My mom and I, we can sit around the table and talk for three hours about everything there is on the face of the earth. <laughs> Just yeah. throw a topic in a hat and we'll start yeah. start a full-blown conversation awesome. around it. But you, you are right as far as with all this access to technology and everything, there are certain things that truly do become the norm. Yeah. And breaking outside of that norm and focusing on the human at hand can become challenging. Like I faced that as a challenge many times throughout my life. And then I started to realize that I think for me, it truly was as simple as like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like that was the switch. Was, what right. am I doing? You know, if I'm here, I might as well be here. Right. The phone and everything that can wait because I can, I can create additional time for it later on in the day. And that I think yeah. after a while, it just, I don't know if you experienced the same challenge, but some of these things that I think many of us do, like checking email, social media, you know, the more you do it, the more it becomes a habit. And yeah. then I've realized that like for me right now, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to reverse engineer or rewire my brain so that I only check these things at a select time during the day. Mm-hmm. And that is hard. Right. I Especially still when you're, you're just doing like, automatically, right? You know, five minutes later, I'm like, I yeah. just checked it. Why am I doing yeah. this again? But right. it becomes, it's become so habitual. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you have to replace that habit with something else. And a lot of times, or it's just going to keep happening in your hands. You know, I've seen even people who smoke cigarettes that quit a long time ago, still do something with their hands. Like they're about to bring a cigarette to their mouth. You know, <laughs> it's interesting how, how our, our minds work, but Hey, you know, I had a question for you because yeah. we're talking about appreciating life. Right. And I think something that I've been really working on 
um, especially over the last year with COVID. I've been in multiple quarantines. I'm going through some personal life issues and then deploying out. Um, I'm out at an undisclosed location right now, but really finding that purpose in the pain and how that helps you appreciate life, right? Uh-huh. Kind of going through those struggles. And I was wondering what your perspectives on that is, because I have found that um, a lot of times when I'm going through something painful in the past, I would uh, try to get over it as quick as possible and mm-hmm. won't even take the time to reflect on what's going on there and why I'm feeling those things. And I, I find I feel like there's some value there. What are your thoughts? I think there's probably value in in that. So I was. It's funny that you you bring that up because yesterday, so we we host a Saturday call. We've been doing it for uh, overcoming odds for I think <laughs> a year and a half, maybe longer than that. And the topic that we were talking about was how do you respond to adversity? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that people brought up was pain and how there's certain elements of pain that there's almost like a, a, a necessary and an unnecessary component mm-hmm. to pain. Um, you know, like going through sexual abuse, is that right. really a necessary form of pain? Or going through a bankruptcy or going through some form of financial struggle that can help you develop some of these other skills. So, you know, I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a quote-unquote right answer. I think, if anything, there's just a perspective. My perspective on it and how I choose to approach it is I do believe that in many of the painful moments that I've been through, there is some purpose behind it. Yeah. But that's only because I'm choosing to associate meaning with it. Right. So, and I think that's the difference is that choice. And I believe that <laughs> that choice is available to many of us. Um, you know, there's some some moments that are extremely painful and right. that I experienced the same exact thing that you just described. Like, how do I get through this as quickly as possible? Mm-hmm. But then there are some moments that, that last probably forever. I guess another question that I would have to use, do you believe that everything has an ending or a quote unquote happy ending, especially when it comes to the pain? I, I don't think everything has a, a necessarily a happy ending. I think that, like you said, you can choose to find value in it and it could still suck. And like you said, if you're going through something like a, if you had to experience child abuse and all those things, um, I, you know, I, that's not something that I've experienced when it comes to, um, you know, in the deepest levels. So I, I wouldn't be able to speak so much on it, but I could imagine that those things don't, don't necessarily you know, always, if ever, result in what will people quote unquote a happy ending. But I think that there's opportunities there for that person to be able to think through some of those and be able to somehow pivot and use those experiences for the the benefit of what we kind of talked about a little bit earlier is, you know, uh, being able to help others, you know, help yourself and help others. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of it comes from first being aware where mm-hmm. first you got to be aware that you even have a choice. Some people don't, they walk in through life participating, thinking that just stuff's happening. They're always mm-hmm. in react mode and they don't realize that there's a choice at all. You know, you made me feel this way. You made me angry. You know, it's like, well, I didn't actually make you angry. You kind of let me make you angry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's, well, a, you well. know, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of people kind of, you know, walk through life, you know, being a thermometer, just reacting to the environment. And, um, and I think it takes, it takes some, um, some real self-reflection and even sometimes some instruction from amazing people like you to be able to help people understand that there is a choice. How do you process circumstances like that when you, when you are surrounded by individuals who are looking at life through that particular lens? I mean, do you take it Mm. personally? Do you try and disconnect as fast as possible? Do you try and change the people? Like, what do you personally do? So depending on the situation, I don't I don't try to disconnect right away unless they're just like you can tell that they just don't want to be helped, right? They're just in that mm-hmm. mode and they're just they're just not into it. And that's okay. You know, maybe they just haven't matured enough to be able to see it yet. And those moments in my life where I like to give them grace because those moments in my life that I was clearly not not open to a lot of that feedback as well. So um, but I do try to try to ask them questions maybe like hey do you think that you have any control over the situation what what can you focus on here and what value can you get out of it and if they just shut it all down then you know i might determine whether or not hey dude does this person just want to vent <laughs> maybe they just want to vent maybe it's my mode just to be here so most of the people that i interact with in that way is because i'm in the military um my a lot of my day is 
surrounded by um, military personnel, you know, and I work with a lot of folks and um, I'm relatively high ranking in my organization. So a lot of times they're bringing me their problems and, uh, and then I let them either vent, I help try to help them come to a solution or I solve it for them. If it's something very simple, you know, they're just not able to see it, but um, a lot, it, it really is. It depends on the situation and what, what they're dealing with, but uh, it takes some maturity to be able to understand that, Hey, you have some influence and some control in this situation. You should focus mm-hmm. on that versus all the stuff you have no control over. Mm-hmm. Did you find that military was one of the places that really did help you get a better understanding of how do you appreciate life because you were able to see the contrast, like life and death at the same time? Yeah, um, I would say a lot. So yes and no, right? So I think one thing, and, and uh, I, my military friends will probably uh, will smoke me for this one. But I think that, uh, that, that in some ways, okay, so the, the military personnel can be some of the bravest people out there, but they can also be sometimes the most entitled people out there because, you know, mm-hmm. we, we typically get everything for free. We're, we're kind of living in a socialist environment within a capitalistic society, right? Within the military, you know, we all get paid the same. We all do this. We get these certain things and benefits and entitlement. So a lot of times um, military personnel have that entitled um, mentality. So sometimes it could be, it could be a little bit difficult to navigate through that. But I would say that, um, there is a lot where the contrast i'm traveling a lot being part of the military you get to go see a lot of different countries i'm in one right now where they're um they don't have nearly the things that we have back in the states you know um they they just don't they don't have the same freedoms they don't have the same just amenities um and then also me in the situation i'm in right now i don't have i can't take a nice long hot shower if i wanted to uh, I'm not in a in a, an environment where I get to do a lot of things I want to. So it really makes me appreciate some of those things. Um, also, it humbles me. I've traveled many countries and I've heard I've seen waitresses and waiters speaking three, four different languages, you know, mm-hmm. and they're probably not making very much money. And it kind of humbles me because I can I barely mastered English. And, <laughs> you know, you know and, and I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing, you know. So so really, um, it, it's given me um, a, a perspective that I just never really thought that I could have gotten, you know, and I don't think I would have gotten if I didn't join the military. And one other thing that I would say is in the military, we train our supervisors to be the best supervisors in the world. I really think so. And um, I know some of our supervisors will suck at it, but, um, you know, in the civilian sector, pretty much after you get off work, um, your, your, your subordinate goes home and you go home and you're not worried about them too much anymore. Maybe depending on how, how small your company is, but for the most part, there's no, there's no responsibility where in the military, you're responsible for them on making sure that they pay their bills on time. They know how to do their laundry. I mean, there's a lot of different parts that we're responsible for growing, growing, um, young men and women. So, um, I think as a young supervisor, you have a huge responsibility. So we learned that pretty early on in our careers. So there's a lot of benefits I think I got and Mm -hmm. really um, learn how to appreciate a lot of things. Do you miss deployment when you're not deployed? Because it sounds like you've done it. You travel quite a bit. And I mean, Mm -hmm. you said you've been doing this for what, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that there's a weird dichotomy there, right? So right now I can't wait to get home, but there is a moment where I already can like foresee because happened before where you get home and there's so much noise. Oh, like there's so much noise in the States. Even when I was just overseas for a while, I was in Germany for a while, you know, my fastest internet was six megabytes down maybe. And I didn't have a lot of the same resources, you know? Yeah. The, 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 the Wi-Fi infrastructure in Europe isn't as good, you know, as in the States or in Asia. And, um, and, you know, I started like really living a more simple life. And then when I got back to the States, there's everything at the touch of a button. And, um, there's a lot of good that comes with that, but then there's a lot of noise that comes with that. And just, you know, and I started, sometimes I don't like myself in those environments. So that, those are times where I kind of miss going back overseas or deploying. And the other thing that you get is when you're in a deployment, you, you have shared suffering and shared struggle with a team of people. And then when you yeah. go back to the States, you kind of all disperse back into your families. And, and there's something about just, nobody understanding what you dealt with except for each other. And um, you kind of miss being able to talk to some of those folks like that. So there's a lot of things that you kind of miss. Is that the thing that creates the camaraderie then within that military is, is that shared suffering and the fact that you're all in the same quote unquote circumstances? 
I think so. I think so. Um, I think there's a lot of value that comes with that. It's that shared suffering and understanding. And, and, and also it brings like what we're talking about right now is appreciation of life um, and the things that come with it when you're, when you have that shared suffering, I think there's a lot of value that comes in that. And for me nowadays, I actually try to find, and this is going to sound like masochistic or something, but I try to find <laughs> ways to put myself in the struggle on purpose because um, one thing about the military is I'll tell you, we move a lot and we go through different experiences and that's intentional that we want us to go to different areas and different places to see different types of struggles. That way, when you're a leader, you've seen more and you can lead large organizations through different types of challenges. And I've discovered that the people who don't move around and don't face a lot of those challenges and stay in the States and don't go overseas, um, they miss out on some of that. And then when something like COVID happens, the decision-making framework is not there and mm -hmm. bad decisions are made and you can kind of see where the real leaders come up. So I do think that going through some of those crucibles in your career, um, you don't appreciate them when you're getting face punched in those organizations, you know, not literally, <laughs> but you're, you're getting beat up every day for the decisions you're making. You even question your own leadership capabilities. But when you go through those and reflect on it later, you realize it prepares you for so much more and um, you're able to deal with things a little bit better and you start appreciating them. How are you in transitions? And and I'll stop with the twenty questions after this. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I know. I'm just I'm just really curious because even in the circumstances that I've experienced or that we've many of the people here in Texas experience, I realize that uh, transitioning, especially when it comes to moving from one living space to another, it's very difficult for me to find routine and rhythm again. Like it takes time for me to get comfortable you know, finding my own little spot within the, whatever that place may be. But mm -hmm. considering the fact that you travel so much, like having the ability to adapt, Melody actually just uh, brought this up as well. Also mm -hmm. training of adaptability. I mean, Absolutely. where would you say you're at within that? Like, do you still find yourself that when you go from one place to another, there is an adjustment period to each one, or are you able to literally just land and go, go, go? So um, yes and yes, kind of, right? So there is definitely an adjustment period when you go to a new place because a lot of times the mission set will be different. And also just the, the butt pain that you have to experience finding a new place. Um, and then just the human factor is like, are they going to like me there? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't yeah. matter if you're the highest leader, you're still kind of concerned about whether or not you're going to fit into an organization. We're tribal in nature overall anyway. So there's a lot of those struggles. And I kind of thought when I was younger that, you know, um, the more I would move, the more, the easier it would become. And you know what? That's not true. That's not true. It's just a different struggle every time. There's something different. You know, um, for instance, leaving Germany, I think that was the most bureaucratic red tape I've ever had to go through just to move, you know, to leave yeah. a country. It, it was a big pain, but that was something I never experienced because I never had been stationed there before. Um, going to the States, it's a little bit easier. And then you're moving around, um, like I said, different mission sets that we might be supporting. Um, one base, we might be supporting um, fighter aircraft. Another one, we might be supporting heavy aircraft, which are just two very different missions. And you have to learn um, how that how that is. But one thing that I would say is that you always have to lean back. And what I learned about was just figuring out what you are as a leader, who you are. And when you figure out who you are and what your foundation is, um, that 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 will make all those transitions easier and i think that i gained that because of all the moves and um i love the the point that melody made about training you know of adaptability it adaptability is something key and i've been honing this message as um as a leader is adaptive followers people who are able to adapt to different types of situations and different types of leadership um, above them, those are the people who are excelling and they're, pro they're exemplifying leadership potential. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the more experience you have, if you're the flower that can only bloom in the most perfect environment, you're probably not going to be a great leader in many different environments. So mm. um, that's the kind of things that we're looking for. And that's one of the reasons why, we, why we do move so much. Is that one of the reasons why, well, I can't speak for all training, but at least my understanding of like hell week. Mm -hmm. Is that why it is so rigorous? Um, so I think now I, I haven't gone to hell week because that's, um, um, that's a, a seal training type thing. Right. But I would say that absolutely every type of 
Does every this place have a boot camp? I guess that's a better it, question. They, yep, yep. Everybody has a boot camp, and everybody will claim they have a quote unquote hell week. But um, hell week <laughs> is, <laughs> is it, I, I think there's different levels of hell and different ones. And I'll say, <laughs> you know, so so. Um, but I do think that the value of a rigorous training is to bring people together. So you got to understand when you go through boot camp, you're bringing in people, thousands of people of different backgrounds, different socioeconomic classes, different beliefs, um, everything, right, from all over the world, because people joined the military, the U.S. military from all walks of life, from all over the world. And you're trying to get them to all come out the other side, somewhere the same, with the same visions and values, right? And, and we, sometimes we call it indoctrinating. And, the, and a lot of times, the best way to do that is get people and get them through something you know, like a process where it can be painful. So everybody kind of endures some type of struggle. And then you get on the other side and at least you have that one thing that you're all connected is that you all went through that butt pain together, right? You know what that is. And that's a big part of it. And I think um, that's why there's hazing in fraternities and all kinds of stuff. I'm not a big advocate for hazing, but I will say there's probably some value there because it at least gives everybody some type of connected tissue, you know, that they, that they share. I didn't even think about that, but I mean, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you have one common event, you have one common circumstance, and mm-hmm. you're having to go through it. And, and in most situations, you're having to go through it as a team. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. going on your own, I, I don't, personally, I have no experience when it comes to Hell Week or any type of training like that. My form of training is the gym. And mm-hmm. many of the situations, I'm just there by myself. So mm-hmm. I'm not really working <laughs> in the team environment, but just based on the things that I've read, like one of the recent books that I read was uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggin. Yeah. Great book. And he was describing the whole concept of what it was like. Um, and I just looking at the whole thing from an outsider perspective, I was like, wow, <laughs> like, that is intense. The things that you go through. But I mean, he came out of it with all these lessons. Like this is how you operate as a team. This is how you go through X, Y, and Z challenge or obstacle. So I, I think you are spot on. There's value in many of the things. Um, yeah. you know, there's probably a line. I don't know what that line is, and I don't know who draws the line. Maybe that's where this leadership component comes in, mm-hmm. and they decide, okay, like we can't haze to this degree, but right. hazing in X, Y, and Z ways might be helpful because it might produce X, Y, and Z personality traits out of it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and I used the word hazing, and I was kind of tying it to – I'm not saying in the military there hasn't been some hazing, but I'll go ahead and put it out there that the, the <laughs> DOD does not support hazing. <laughs> that we that we do is training, right? Uh, but um, I do think that you're going through those struggles together. Um, it brings people together. It brings the team together, and it also um, identifies strengths and weaknesses amongst your your teammates and yourself so that self-awareness piece is so important and throughout the military we do a good job of um of manufacturing times where you provide feedback to each other whether that's through our professional military education or through um, other opportunities where your supervisor is providing you feedback and you're providing feedback back to your supervisor their effectiveness so we we have a lot of those and i think that's really important because when you're honest and you're able to receive that feedback that's the only way you get better is there a difference when it comes to how you approach life outside of the military or is it kind of all the same thing considering that you've been in it for so long by now? So I don't think there's a difference in how I approach it now. Clearly, you know, I'm, if I'm, if I'm uh, operating something in a, in a combat zone um, I'm going to, I'm not going to treat my home like that. Right. But, um, but how I, my philosophy, when I view life, um, mm-hmm. most of my leadership philosophies don't tie to the military. It's just how I am as a leader of myself and of other people, whether that's, you know, home life or at work. So um, I wouldn't say, I think that to balance your your home and your, your work-life balance, it doesn't exist in the military. I think it's more of a harmony that you, and you're naive to think as soon as you take off your uniform, you come home, that you're no longer in the military. It's just, a, just not, it's not a thing. So um, I do think that what's happened for me is through life uh, and growing up and maturing and seeing things in the military, traveling, all the experiences I've had, um, good, bad, and indifferent, 
working for really tough leadership that maybe even in some toxic environments versus working for a great leaders, all those things have helped me appreciate life as a whole, right? Mm. We talked about it a little bit earlier, the ups and downs, you appreciate, you know, if it isn't for the valleys, you're not going to appreciate the mountaintops and you kind of have to go through those. And now I look at things when they're imperfect, I, I find beauty in those things now. And mm -hmm. that somehow came along just in my maturation in life and looking at the world through adult eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you're, a, I can't say completely different person, but relatively different from, you know, before you started the whole military experience and everything. I remember a conversation you and I were having on your show about this whole concept of, um, for those that don't, that don't know, you have a podcast called Llama Leadership. And we we're having that conversation on there. And it, it was, for me, it, it was fascinating for a couple of reasons. First is I don't personally know much about the space of the military. Mm -hmm. And I think that the other thing that fascinates me is the mindset, like how not not only how you operate in the moment, but how you choose to differentiate between, okay, I'm in combat zone, now I'm in civilian life. Mm -hmm. You know, like, how do you make that switch? Because you're right, it's not the same thing. Going to a grocery store is probably not, the, well, I don't know, not the same tactical experience <laughs> that, you, that you would go through compared to a place where that's in the middle of a war zone, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, something that I, when I was, so younger version of me used to think, so we're at home station and there's a big, big difference between a deployed environment and a home station environment. We all want to act like there isn't, but there is. Um, and when you're home station, I'll just be hundred percent honest. There's a lot and what more. Is, um, can, so, you, can you explain that briefly? Like what is, what is a home station to begin with? So, so a home station like would be for me, I'm stationed right now at Travis air force base in Northern California. So that would be where I'm, I normally live. And right now I'm on a deployment. So um, I'm at an undisclosed location um, on a deployment in, mm -hmm. in what we'd consider a combat zone. So um, how we behave is a little bit different, but everybody wants to act like it's the same thing. And I'm just going to be hundred percent real for you. It's, it's mm -hmm. not the same thing when you're at home station, um, at a normal base, there's a lot more, what we consider maybe political correctness and bureaucracy. And, um, and there's a lot more, uh, of looking at people and making sure every part of their uniform is compliant and their hair is perfect. And everything's like, looks the way it's supposed to per a regulation or air force instruction. Whereas over deployed, you're in environments where you just don't have all the same luxuries to be able to look at those things because you know, you're, you're you don't even have great showers sometimes. So you're probably, you might not be shaved that day or whatever it might be right so and we don't look at the same things with as much of a keen eye so um i think when i was younger it used to frustrate me that um that we had that it was like well how do you expect people to go to be honest with you go go kill and break things down range you know in a deployed combat zone and then come home and 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 basically look super clean and proper and I, and I used to call it, how do you expect people to be R-rated downrange and be G-rated when they're home? It just doesn't make sense. And um, as I grew and I kind of, um, kind of matured, I realized it's called discipline. You know, it's called discipline, right? Uh, you know, I just like learn how to discipline yourself yeah when you go to church you don't cuss you know what i mean when you're when you're downrange you might you know what i mean so it's kind of like you can adjust to different situations and it kind of goes back to that adaptability like we talked about before are you able to adapt to things or are you just a person that reacts to everything mm -hmm. now joe you do a lot of this work um as you go and i know that you guys also host a podcast can you tell a little bit more about what it is that you guys do when it comes to much of that work. Yeah, so um, we have there's four of us all together. We're all we've all been friends for about um, ten years, and um, we start. We are all in the military as young non commissioned officers, which is like just a um, just what we'd consider technical experts in our crafts, and then we've moved on into uh, upper middle management positions, and. We, uh, we, we've just been friends for a long time. We all love to teach. Um, we love teaching resiliency topics and everything else. And we became uh, very close. And as years went by, we wanted to start a consulting company. So we started a, a company called LlamaLeadership.com. Uh, so that's the website, LlamaLeadership.com. And we have a podcast and we also have a digital magazine that we put out with some 
blog articles that are written by leaders for leaders and it's on all topics life learning and leadership and they're they're not censored they're whatever people's perspectives are it doesn't necessarily mean that we as a leadership team um, agree with every single thing that somebody writes in there but we think it's important that we all get different perspectives on how people view leadership so uh, we have 90 something episodes in the queue for our llama lounge you can search llama lounge on any of the platform you can even ask uh, alexa turn on llama lounge and it'll <laughs> and you, you'll be able to hear some of the discussions and like i said we talk about all things life learning and leadership we have amazing people on the show like oleg he's been on there before scott masons has been on there um plenty of military leaders but we don't talk about specific military um everything just specific to the military. We talk about life learning and leadership in a broad scope. So um, we've had FBI behavior analysts on, um, Robin Dreek, he was on, that was a great episode, and and a lot of other military leaders from across the branches. So we just love having discussions. We call it bro talk or sis talk. We just have a lot of people <laughs> on and we just have a conversation conversation about things. And um, and we, we love what we do. And if you want to visit llamaleadership.com, you'll be able to see the podcast, the blogs, and also we call them quick leadership thoughts and which is just some um, inspirational quotes from people or ourselves and that's pretty much how you can reach us and you can reach us at llama leadership at gmail.com if you have any more questions that's awesome what's next for you when it comes to appreciation what is an area in your life that you feel like you can show more appreciation than you currently do man you know what i think what i need to do is appreciate myself a little bit more and I, and I know that sounds kind of funny but I'm terrible at giving myself grace uh, <laughs> so uh, I spent a lot of time um, uh, really supporting a lot of people and I just found out that, that to be like my meaning and calling in life but um, I've been over the last year or so really um, trying to figure out how to give myself a little bit more grace and make more time for myself and appreciate you know, um, just self-care and, and everything else. So that that's where I'm, I'm at right now. Um, I do a lot of gratitude journaling. I read scripture a lot. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Stoic philosophy, so I spend a lot of time there. And um, I just realized I just got to take care of myself a little bit better. So when it comes to appreciating life, I think I need to find ways to appreciate life um, uh, through, through looking through my own lens of my own contentment and happiness. Mm. I love that. I'm in the same exact boat as you. I, I think for me, one of the things that started to make sense is that unless I choose to be of service to myself, I really can't be of service to others. Right. So choosing to do the same exact things, read whatever it is that I have to read, work through whatever challenges, problems I might have. Because at the end of the day, and you touched upon this a couple of times throughout this conversation, this whole concept of responsibility. I mean, I think many people, in my opinion, as a leader and an influencer, I carry a big responsibility to other people and and holding that space for people and, and holding it from an honest perspective as far as here are the things that I've worked through and here are the things that only work for me. Like, they may not work for you. These mean, And that's kind of, I think there's a big difference when it comes to the leadership as well is for me, leadership is about creating a space where you can find your own answers. I'm not here to give you the answers because I don't know your situation to a degree that can help me better understand what it is that you're truly going through. Because then there's also the limitation of language. You know, there's only so much that you can express as far as the particular challenge at hand. And so if you can't fully verbalize what it is that you're going through, then how could I ever be of help to you? Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot to that. What you just said, I, I really like to um, bring it down to there's no off button to leadership. Like Oleg, you're a leader not only of yourself but of a lot of people. Um, a lot of people tune into your podcast, and and if you're not taking that responsibility seriously, that there's no off button to your leadership, that people are looking at you. Um, you may inadvertently cause someone to burn themselves out because you're not pouring yeah. enough into yourself. But and, and also you might also. Uh, force people to feel like they got to be perfect because you're only showing the perfect side of yourself if you do that right so you got to show people that vulnerability um, as well so I think those are things that I've been working on and like I said before and I keep talking about it is you know I, I didn't realize any of that until I started looking at the world through a grown man's eyes you know I didn't realize yeah. that at all I was I was busy trying to impress people versus inspire people and I think it's inspiring people is about showing them that they can do it too mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree Before we conclude here, I see that we have Brian that joined us. I don't know if you've had a chance to connect with him um, yet, Joe. Uh, yeah. He's he's an incredible that. human being. Awesome. Um, I'll definitely introduce the two of you. There are a couple other people that said exactly what I just needed to hear. Uh, Melody here pointed out that <laughs> leadership is about guiding others to be the best self they Absolutely. can be. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, outside of the website, what are some ways that people can connect with you? Um, they can reach me on LinkedIn, um, Joe Bogdan. You should be able to find me on there. And also on Facebook, if you want to reach out to me there, I'm Joe Bogdan on there as well. And then on Facebook, you can search the Lama Lounge and um, you can give us a like over there and, and shoot a message if you'd like to get in contact with us through the, through the organizational page there. That's awesome. And outside of that, one other thing that I'll point out is if you've enjoyed anything when it comes to the show, this particular episodes, consider doing the same thing leaving us a review on Facebook, LinkedIn, or wherever other platform. Um, It would help us tremendously. And outside of that, just, Joe, I appreciate you for being a friend, someone that I stay connected with, someone that I can learn from, and then also choosing to be a part of this. Oh, I appreciate it, Oleg. Thank you so much. Um, I think you're an amazing person and amazing friend and um, look forward to doing more things like this together. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content as well as the latest episodes. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these courageous and inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.